Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. How many this morning can say amen to the fact that there's nothing better than Him? I'm thankful for my Savior this morning, and uh, I'm thankful for what He's done for me. And uh, I'm thankful one day He turned the tomb of my heart into a garden. And uh, if you're saved this morning, then I know you would say the same. And uh, undeserving of all he does and his kindness, but I am thankful, and I praise him this morning. And uh, we'll see a little of how good he is if you'll turn with me to John chapter number 3. It's where our text will be found this morning, John chapter number 3. John chapter 3, you're going to read the first 15 verses and, and uh, pray that the truth that I've studied this week will become as real to you as it has to me. If you'll stand with me this morning as we read the text, John chapter number 3. The Bible says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi... We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Brian, would you, would you pray for us? Thank you. 
Amen. Thank you for the prayer. Uh, I'm sure Chuck's probably laughing a little bit. I have a picture in there, Chuck, if you want to pull it up. And uh, it's serving two purposes. And I laughed a little bit when I was thinking about them seeing this because I didn't get a chance to talk to them. And uh, they were probably wondering what in the world. But there's a reason that's there. For one, just to remind Brianna that she has a handsome husband, first of all. <laughs> but that's secondary. The main, the main reason I have that there, and I won't mention their name. I don't think they would care, but I didn't get a chance to make sure they would. Didn't mind if I shared this, but someone came up to me after service last week, and uh, they came up to me and said, I'm jealous, and had, they kind of had a grin on their face, and I knew there was something you know, behind it, some kind of joke, and, but I didn't know exactly where the person was going to take it, and I said, what are, you, what are you jealous over, what do you mean? And they said, I've never gotten to preach from a castle before, and so I wanted to, if you weren't here last week, wanted you to see what that was referring to, and of course with our Bible school set up, uh, I was getting to preach from a castle, and I didn't even think about it, but... Uh, the reason I got to preach from a castle is because it was our, de- our platform, of course, was decorated for Bible school, and our theme was Keepers of the Kingdom. And throughout the week, our students learned about the armor of God and how to stand for truth. And as Ephesians teaches us, we must put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. We must put on the armor of God so that we're doing all that we can to stand strongly for the Lord because we understand Satan as that text refers to as shooting shots, if you will, to us, firing his fiery darts at us to conquer us, to bring us into destruction. And so we must gird our loins about with the belt of truth. We must put on the breastplate of righteousness. For our feet, we have to put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And above all, we have to take the shield of faith so that we can quench out those fiery darts of the wicked. And we have to put on the helmet of salvation and grab a hold of the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and we must do this to be a fit keeper of the kingdom. And I pray that this week many took the lessons and the theme of this week to heart because God's truth and His kingdom are being attacked. Our lives are being attacked with fervency. And so we need people, we need a generation to raise up who will stand upon God's truth without shame and without apology, who will stand upon His word and live by it and preach it and declare it for then a generation that will come after them. But what we learn in John chapter number 3 through Nicodemus and his conversation with the Lord Jesus is that something else must be addressed in our life before we could ever be true keepers of the kingdom of God. Before you think about being a keeper of the kingdom, you need to think about whether or not you're going to be kept out of the kingdom. And that's what we learn in these verses is the reality of what it takes to get into the kingdom of God. You can't be a keeper of His kingdom if you're not going to be allowed into His kingdom. So walking into the text, I want us to think about this question. How do you get into God's kingdom? And Nicodemus found the answer to that question, and you and I will too this morning as we study these words. So the text begins in verse number 1 telling us about this man named Nicodemus, a Pharisee. Of course, a sect of Judaism, people who were very, very... uh, of a purity mindset, but the problem with that is that they had made up their own rules as to what purity is. They had added to God's Word and uh, made up kind of their own traditions as to what purity is, and then they kept those things very strictly, but with that came this self-righteous attitude that they were good and that they were alright and that they would get into God's kingdom simply because they were a Pharisee and they did this and they did that and they stayed away from this, and you can go throughout the checklist. That's kind of who a Pharisee is. That's who Nicodemus is. We also learn that he is um, a leader 
of the Jews. Would have been a part of the Sanhedrin, their, their supreme court, if you will. So he's a very well-respected man. We find out later in the text he's a teacher, a well-respected teacher, one that uh, even Jesus expected to know more than he did. So we learn a good bit about this man in just this little passage of Scripture. This man named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now he, in verse number 2, he's coming to Jesus by night. Nicodemus has learned something, has burned his interest, if you will. He's aware of this man named Jesus, and he wants to hear more about what he has to say. Of course, you know the Pharisees and Jesus did not get along, and you know how the Pharisees felt about Jesus, but something about Jesus drew Nicodemus to him. Something about Jesus made Nicodemus say, I want to know more, and I need to, I need to find out a little bit more from this man. Something he was saying was registering at least a little bit with Nicodemus, so that Nicodemus said, I need to go find him, and I need to talk to him. Nicodemus, part of it, he tells when he comes to Jesus, he says, Rabbi, which is a term of respect. He's saying, Teacher or Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Nicodemus knew that he, he hadn't quite put his mind on it yet or his, his finger on it yet, but there was something different about this man. Everybody else around him may have said, This guy is full of blasphemy. This guy is a joke. This guy is a liar. But Nicodemus is saying, We know that there's something different about you. And so he's come to him by night. And there's, you can read a lot of different reasons why people say he came by night. Some more condemned Nicodemus in saying he should have been bold enough to come by day. Others say, well, at least he went to Jesus at all. Whether it was night or whether it was by day, at least he went to Jesus. But one thing I will point out to you is he did have to go to Jesus by himself. He didn't go with a crowd of Pharisees that wanted to go with him. And just like Nicodemus did, you also need to seek Jesus, even if you have to do it alone. Nicodemus had to break away from the mold of his context and his culture, if you will, being around the Pharisees, being a leader of the Pharisees, to go and find Jesus. You may have to go against the crowd to seek Jesus. Well, if that's what you have to do, then so be it. Go against the crowd to find Jesus, just like Nicodemus did. Nicodemus came and the other reason could have just been he wanted alone time. And he knew during the day that Jesus had so many people around him, he wouldn't have been able to really talk to him like he wanted to do. So whether Nicodemus is being a coward or whatever, however you want to interpret that, he's come to Jesus by night. And he's began to talk to him. Jesus seems to kind of ignore his statement in verse number 2, and Jesus, but Jesus knew exactly what he needed. Jesus, of course, is the master teacher. Jesus knew the heart of Nicodemus, and so he came to the great teacher come from God, and that's the reason you and I need to hear from Jesus, because he is a teacher come from God. Of course, he's more than that, but he is a teacher come from God, and so he begins to teach. He came for, to learn, and Jesus is going to teach him. He's going to teach him what he needs to know, whether Nicodemus has come with this question or not. He knew what he needed. And so he says, verily, verily, a word of, that draws our attention. As I read in a couple of different commentaries, it's like an emphasis marker. I've read before of a similar word. It's like a divine highlighter saying you need to pay attention to what's about to be said. Verily, verily. And that's said, I think, three other, two other times in this passage of Scripture. Adding an emphasis to this entire text. Verily, verily. Jesus tells him, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, 
He cannot see the kingdom of God. The word kingdom refers to the area in which a person's authority or power resides and specifically the kingdom of God many times refers to the millennial kingdom that will be set up. It can refer spiritually to the rule of God in our hearts. Certainly it refers to a time where God's enemies are all conquered or all defeated, where everything is perfect, the place where He reigns and there are no opposing forces to Him. But what you need to hear this morning is that you cannot see this kingdom. According to verse number 3 and in verse number 5, you cannot enter this kingdom if you have not been born again. I think to be a part of the kingdom is synonymous with salvation. You can think of it as one and the same. And what you need to hear this morning, what my heart needs to hear, is you cannot enter in or become a part of this kingdom. You need to recognize today the entrance into God's kingdom is not automatic. It's not just a guarantee. It is a very real biblical truth that you may not see the kingdom of God. And in that statement, you need to hear the finality and the lack of room for negotiation. In verse number 3, you cannot, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The word, the phrase, you must be born again, that word can also be translated as born above. You must be born from above to see the kingdom of God. And one thing I want you to consider this morning is what this exception is not. There's only... You cannot see the kingdom other than there's one exception. There's one. A man has to be born again. That one exception is not you have to be born as a citizen of the United States. That one exception is not whether you are born in the United States. That one exception is not whether a man carries the King James Bible or not. You must be born again. The one exception is not whether a person becomes a member at a particular church. You must be born again. The, the one exception is not as long as you give 10% of your, uh, of your income on your gross income to the tithes and to the offerings, then you will enter in. That is not the one exception. The one exception is that you must be born again. Without that, you will not, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Every single person in the world needs to be confronted with this truth. You will not enter God's kingdom if you have not been born again. The fact that you need to be born again this morning tells you something about who you are outside of Jesus Christ. You may live respectable lives. You may not be in any kind of legal trouble. You may live with great integrity among your peers. People may speak wonderfully of you. You may never get in trouble with your parents. You may say, I've never had a spanking. I've never had my phone taken away. I've never been grounded. But what you need to hear this morning is unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is a respected man. In fact, I read in a commentary that Nicodemus represented the best in the nation. He's a teacher. He's a Pharisee. He would have been respected. He would have kept all the... the ideas of what purity was. He was respected, but Jesus looked at him and said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Everyone I'm looking at this morning, as far as I'm concerned, you're respected by me. All of you try to be good husbands, fathers, spouses, 
good Sunday school teachers, good workers at your jobs, but listen, none of that's the one exception. None of that, God will not say, well, I see you tried, I see you were there, I see you came to Bible school. That's not the exception. You have to be born again. What you need to understand is in your condition outside of Christ is you are full of sin and unrighteousness if you only have one birth. And in our day, there's this emphasis, if you will, this idea that nothing is wrong with nobody and you're just perfect the way you are. And I understand that has to be explained with understanding that we are made in the image of God, we are creations of God, and in our personality and in, in what makes you who you are and what you like and what you dislike, a lot of those things are, you're not wrong in the way God made you. What you need to understand is that you are born into this world as a sinner and there is blackness in your heart and there is a natural tendency to rebel against God. And that's why you have to be born again. I'm not meaning to sound harsh this morning. I'm not meaning to beat anybody down. And trust me, if you'll follow along with me, you'll be lifted up. But I want to honor my Lord by honoring His Word. And if you're going to ever look to Christ, you must first see your need for Him. So you need to hear these words. You must be born again. Remember, those that are whole do not need the physician. If you're here this morning and think nothing's wrong with you, then you don't need Jesus. It's those who are sick who need the physician. And what the Scripture tells us is outside of Christ, we are sick. In fact, we're not just sick, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. But the Gospel is the wonderful news that there is a physician who can give you new life. In Jesus, we have a physician that can heal us. But what I also want you to understand this morning is that we must be thankful that there's any exception at all. Because none of us deserve to enter God's kingdom. None of us. But due to the requirement, or the one exception, to see God's kingdom, which is to be born again, think about the possibility of who can see it. In other words, I want you to think about the grace in God's one exception. And this is where, this is, bless my heart this week. I don't have this happen a lot, but I was driving home the other day, I guess from seeing Gary, and I mean, genuinely, I literally had to pull off. Because I want you to take your eyes and scan heaven with me. And just look around and see and think about who's getting to see God's kingdom because of this one exception. If you'll look, there's Abraham, the pagan worshiper, the man who is an idol worshiper, but he's there. He's seen the kingdom. If you look, there's Jacob, and Jacob was the second born. He was the one that should have been overlooked. It should have been Esau, but there's Jacob. If you look a little bit further, there's Rahab, prostitute, don't deserve to be there, but she's there. If you keep scanning heaven, there's David, the small, overlooked little shepherd, and there he is. Matthew, the tax collector, who probably cheated people, robbed people, but due to this one exception, he's seen the kingdom of God. There's Zacchaeus, the same story. Peter, denied the Lord three times, but he's there. 
There's Paul who stood against the kingdom of God, fought against it with everything he could. But if you look, there he is. But then what really hit home is if you'll look, if I'll look, there I am. My unworthiness and my unrighteousness both conquered by the cross, and there I am, seeing the kingdom of God. And if your testimony this morning is that you've been born again and that one day you'll see the kingdom of God, praise God for this one exception because there's grace in it. If it was not for this one exception, you wouldn't be there, neither would I. So thank God for the grace in this one exception. None of those people I mentioned deserve to be there. And just as much as you'd say, Abraham don't deserve to be there. And just as much as you'd say, Paul don't deserve to be there. Peter don't deserve to be there. What you need to understand is just as well you don't deserve to be there. But one day you will see and enter into that kingdom if you've been born again. Because of this one exception. So you must be born again, but also you must trust the Holy Spirit to do His work. So Nicodemus, you might be thinking, I don't, what, do you, what exactly does that mean, to be born again? Nicodemus is a wise man. He's, it's not quite registering with him either. He says, what do you, how can a man when he be born again when he's old? Can a man come again from a mother's womb? Of course, that just almost sounds like he's mocking Jesus. Like That just sounds like a rhetorical question. So Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. So Jesus uses wind to explain to Nicodemus what this second birth is like. It says, The wind blows where it listeth, where it wants to, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but... You can't tell where it comes from and where it's going. Jesus says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus says the second birth, and there's many different interpretations when it says in verse number 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, what water is referring to. But what you need to understand is that this second birth is a spiritual birth. It's a work that the Spirit of God does inside of you and within you when you trust Christ as your Savior. It's a spiritual birth that Jesus is talking about. And just like the wind, it comes and then it goes. You, you don't really know where it precisely came from. You don't know where it's going, but you see its effect. That's the nature of this second birth. The Spirit of God does this within you. You don't have to do it. There's nothing you do to, to bring yourself back to life, to give yourself the second birth. It is a work of the Spirit of God within you. Now just like the wind, you see its effects when the Spirit of God brings you new life, makes you new, there will be evidence of that. The Spirit is He that quickeneth according to John 6 and 63. First John, if you read through First John, speaks a great deal about being born of God. And this is that second birth, the work of God within us. You cannot give yourself the second birth. I cannot come to you and do something to give you a second birth. Pastor James can't come to you and do something to give you a second birth. It is a work of the Spirit of God. Like what one person said, a fallen person cannot regenerate himself. He needs a divine operation. 
In other words, someone else said you do not manufacture Christians any more than you manufacture babies. So what you need to understand is your salvation, my salvation is a work of the Spirit of God within. Now this may be evidence when you were saved, you may say I cried, you may say there may have been evidence in that moment. But this work was done within. It was a work of the Spirit of God to give you new life. I told you before my testimony on that Wednesday night that I was saved. I got up from the altar. I still looked like a nine-year-old boy. I still had on my Carolina Panthers hoodie and a pair of blue jeans. I don't remember for sure if I cried or not, but I may have been crying. But other than that, I looked exactly the same. But inside, things were different. And pray that since then, people have seen the effects of that move of the Spirit of God. But it was Him that did a work inside of me that gave me a second birth. And if you're saved, then the same thing happened to you. You have to trust Him to do His work, to give you the second birth that is required to get in to heaven. And then Nicodemus in verse number 9 still says, how can these things be? Still not getting it. So Jesus answers him. And says, then he kind of begins to rebuke him. He says, are you not a master of Israel and you don't know this stuff? He says, I say unto you, Jesus adding weight, if you will, to what he's saying. He says, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall you believe? If I tell you of heavenly things. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. But then Jesus, it's almost like in my mind, Jesus says, okay, let me, Nicodemus is saying, Lord, I'm just not, Jesus, I'm just not following you. I, I'm just not getting it. Jesus, of course, is disappointed in his response, but in my, my understanding or my interpretation, if you will, of the passage, it's almost like Jesus is saying, okay, let me try this a different way. Let me explain this to you in a little different, little different way. Let me go about this a little bit different. He takes Nicodemus back to an Old Testament event event that is referred to or found in Numbers chapter number 21, verses 5 through 9. And if you don't know what he's referring to, or if my explanation don't take your mind back, I would encourage you to go back and read Numbers 21, verses 5 through 9. I'm sure it'll help your understanding of the gospel in light of John 3, verses 14 through 15. But in Numbers 21, the people of Israel grumbled about God's provision. They wondered if God had just brought them out of Egypt. Of course, you've heard they, they went back and forth on this many different times, but they began to wonder if God just brought them out of Egypt to let them die in the wilderness. God sends judgment on the people in the form of venomous snakes. The snakes bite and kill many people, and as a result, many of the remaining people come to Moses and they, they want Moses to intercede for them. They say, Moses, we have done wrong, and they want Moses to do something about the chaos and to do something about the death and to do something about the judgment that was coming upon them. Well, God graciously tells Moses to put a serpent up on a pole. And the people are instructed that if they will look to that pole, if they will look to the snake that's on the top of that pole, then the people would be healed. And Jesus, that's why He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus is referring to His death on the cross, His brutal sacrificial death, whereas He was lifted up on Calvary's cross, where He was lifted up on that day that He was crucified. And just like 
Israel had to look to the bronze serpent for salvation. You this morning must look to Jesus. If you want to experience and know what salvation is, if you want to be able to leave here and say that you know that you will see the kingdom of God because you have been born again, then you must do the same thing that Israel had to do with that bronze serpent. You're going to have to look. You must get your eyes off of yourself. You must get your eyes off of what you can do. You must get your eyes off of who you are and who you think you can become and quit depending on yourself and look to Him. You need to recognize, just like Israel had to do, the certainty of your eternal death without Jesus and look to Him. Place your confidence in Him. If you think about it, if you try to put your mind in this scene, can you imagine the scene in Numbers the chaos of all of Israel, snakes slithering around everywhere, people getting bit, people screaming, people dying. And in the midst of all that chaos, people said, told to look. Look to the bronze serpent and be healed. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, in the midst of all the chaos of this world and in the midst of all the, the, the wrongs that we see in this world, look, look to the cross of Calvary. The people of Israel wasn't supposed to come up with some kind of anti-venom. They wasn't supposed to go around helping each other. They were told to look. They didn't have to come up with their own means of healing. They didn't have to come up with their own answers. They were just told to find salvation and the one thing that God had provided. And that's what you're being told this morning. To find salvation and the one thing God has provided. Look to His Son. That he, as He says in verse 15, Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Believe this morning that Christ was lifted up for you and for your sins. Believe that you deserve the wrath of God for your rebellion and believe that that wrath was poured out upon Jesus in that moment when He was lifted up. Believe that Christ was taking your place and now you don't have to be subject to God's wrath, that you can enter into the kingdom of God. As we stand together this morning, our musicians come around. Ms. Tamara, you can begin to play as you find your place. I asked the question in introducing, how do I get into the kingdom of God? But what I don't want you to do is think of these points. I, the outline is just, for me, just a way of organizing the text, a way to think through the text. What I don't want you to do is look at those things and look at them as a checklist of things that you have to do. If that's what you leave here thinking, then I have failed miserably in preaching to you these verses. And, it, and worse, I've given a false representation of the gospel. Because if I've correctly handled these verses, then what you should realize above all else is that you can't get into God's heaven on your own. If I've handled these verses correctly, then you are going to have to realize that you're going to have to get your eyes off of yourself and trust God for your salvation. It's not a to-do list. It's not, I do this and then I get baptized and then that's, it's look to Christ. As Colossians 1, 12 and 13 teaches, it is God who translates us from the power of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And God will do this for you this morning if you believe on His gospel. Believe in His Son and what He did on the cross. 
And as Israel was instructed to do in regards to the serpent, then I want to tell you one more time again this morning, look. Look to Jesus and live. It's your hope this morning. It's my hope. And I've rejoiced in my hope this week. And if you're here and saved, I hope you can rejoice in your hope. Learn to rejoice in Christ. Because everything I have to look forward to is because of Him. And I'm thankful for the grace He's shown me. I often think it would have been easy for me to die and go to hell from a church pew. I've told you how I was raised. One day He showed me I was lost so that I could be saved. And maybe Christ, maybe the Spirit of God is doing the same for you now. And the gospel is no longer words. Your sin is no longer just a, an idea, but it's real. And you feel and sense the Spirit of God singling you out. Well, these altars are open. If you don't come now, then I'll be available after the service. But if the Lord has dealt with you, I want you to come. One great thing about Nicodemus, and Mark's will come around and lead us, is he did at some point hear the words of Jesus and put his faith in him. If you go to the end of John, Jesus was crucified and buried. Nicodemus was there to help prepare his body for burial. Somewhere along the lines, Nicodemus understood what Jesus was saying. Maybe you are as well this morning, and you want to put your faith in him so that you might have eternal life and not perish. Well, if that's the case, these altars are open. As Nicodemus had to come to Jesus, you're going to have to come to Jesus. That don't necessarily mean you have to be in this altar. You can be saved in the car ride home. But it is an opportunity for you to come to Jesus if you need to. As Mark comes around and leads us, you respond to the word of the Lord. He's dealt with you. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.